The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Over the next few weeks, uh, the idea was for us to really talk about uh, some of the things that we have picked up from reading the Bible. Hence the original revelations from the Bible. Uh, and uh, the reason it's changing is because if you say revelations, I'm sure immediately your mind goes to the book of Revelations. And you're thinking, ah, they're going to be talking about some pretty vivid stuff. Uh, if you've ever read Revelations, you know it's quite some vivid stuff in there. Uh, that's not what this is about. This is very much about what we learn from reading the Bible. And uh, you know the Oxford Dictionary defines Revelation as a, a surprising and previously unknown fact, especially one that is made known in a dramatic way. And think of the newspaper exposés, you know. That's what we think, oh, wow, revelation from the, whatever the newspaper is. Typically, they wreck people's lives, um, but they don't typically care about that, uh, as long as they can get their readership up. Uh, but there's another definition in the Bible, uh, sorry, in the, in the dictionary, and it's the divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something relating to human existence or the world which is probably more akin to what we are talking about. You know, when you read the Bible, the things that God reveals to you, that helps you. So for me, Revelation is very much uh, just God revealing something to you, to us, through the Bible, that helps us fulfill His purpose on earth. That's what Revelation is about. It's about us getting close to God. So... Uh, because um, as the weeks come, uh, Kevin's going to speak, uh, William's going to speak, and Pastor Jonathan will speak, uh, you'll get a sense of the things that they have picked up from reading the Bible. So uh, the topics may be connected, they may be unconnected. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It's really about what we are picking up from reading the Bible. And today I want to focus on knowing the will of God. Knowing the will of God. That's what I want to focus on because that's something that I've picked up from reading the Bible. Just being comfortable in the knowledge that I know the will of God for my life. And as Christians, I think it's a question that most of us will have asked at some point. What is the will of God for me? What does God want me to do? What's God's will for me? I'm sure you've asked the question. Because it's probably one of the most frequently asked questions by Christians. And the reason, I guess, is because we want this sense of what I'm doing actually has meaning. You know, is God pleased with me? You know, this sense of, am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right track? Yeah. And that's why we get this sense of, you know, what is God's will for me? So that we can be sure we are on the track that God has laid for us. And also, of course, we read in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 21. Jesus said this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Uh, so there's another incentive to want to know what is the will of God. Because clearly, um, we want to enter heaven, right? Okay? Uh, the gospel is for today, it's for here, it's for how we live here, but it's also for when we leave this earth. So we want to know what is the will of God for us. And for me, I've understood the will of God for me through reading the Bible. There are three things I would like to focus on uh, to try and understand or to try and convey how I understand the will of God for me. Okay? The first thing is uh, God's original intent. Okay? We need to go back to the Bible to understand what's God's original intent for creating man, for creating woman, for creating us. That's the first thing. Uh, the second area we'd look at is God's universal will. There are some things that God has given all of us to do. There are some things that are God's will for everyone. And then the third area will be God's unique will for you. Because oftentimes when we say God's will for my life, that's what we really mean. What's God's unique will for me, me as a person? Okay? So we'll look at these three areas. The first one we want to look at is God's original intent. And for us to do that, we have to go back to the beginning. The book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. So if we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 20 to 28, the Bible says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the first thing I got to understand is I am made in the image of God. Okay. It's important to understand who you are to understand God's will for you. That's the first thing. I am made in God's image. What does that really mean? Um, now, what's God like? when we try to understand image of God. The first thing I understand is my life has value. Because oftentimes we determine value by what somebody else wants to pay for it. Let's put human beings to one side. You know. A painting is worth 20 million, for example. Why? Just a guy sat down and did some Okay, it might have taken him a day, it might have taken him a week. But now it's worth 20 million. Why? Well, because that's what someone's prepared to pay for it. Now, because we have that concept, it's easy for us to fall into this trap that the value of our lives is determined by how somebody else perceives it. But that's not what the Bible says. I am made in the image of God. That means my life 
has value. Regardless of what you think of my life, my life has value. And that's what I understand from the word. And that helps me when somebody else says, you're worth nothing. Well, that can't be true. Because something made in the image of God cannot be without value. Okay. So remember what we're discussing here is the understanding and the revelations and the insights we get as we read through the Bible, as the Holy Spirit starts to reveal things to us. It talks about being fruitful and multiplying. So I think, okay, that means there is a sense in which we are producing things. You know, the Bible talks about God creating life, creating all these things, and commands us to go and be fruitful and to multiply. Now, oftentimes we think of that specifically around children, having children. But if you read the Bible, some of the disciples didn't have children. We wouldn't say they didn't multiply. We wouldn't say they were not fruitful. So it can't be tied only to having children. Be fruitful and multiply. And then the third thing I understand is that we have a degree of control over God's creation. The one thing we don't have control over is the other humans that God created. There's nothing in the Bible about God saying one has dominion over the other, but it gives us dominion over his creation. Again, this is really important as we start to consider the will of God for our lives. Because when we talk about understanding the will of God, we are really talking about the decisions that we make. How do we make the decisions we make? How do we decide on things? Okay. By having this kind of context and background understanding, it helps our decision making as we go along. In the second part of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, uh, we read from 15 to 18. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So in reading this, I got the understanding. Firstly, God gave Adam work to do. It is important that we work. Now, when I say work, you immediately think about a job, a paid job. But the person who stays home and looks after a child for many years is working. So when we talk about work, we're not just talking about a paid job. It is important that we have something that we are doing, something that gets you up in the morning. You know we, what the, the phrase, uh, the devil makes work for an idle mind. It's very true. God created Adam, put him in the garden, gave him the environment, and didn't just say, oh, just do what you want. No, tend and keep it. That requires work. So as I understand, as I read through the Bible, I should work. Because God created work. Um, it's not something that um, we can choose to do, decide to do. It's actually an important part of what God's created. So I understood, okay, I've got to work. I've got to work. I also understood that God created man and woman for companionship. For companionship. Now we know 
the loneliness can be really difficult. And God saw and said, ah, there's a lot I've created. But he's on his own. I need to make someone next to him, a helper, someone to go alongside him. Okay. So we understand that God created man and woman for companionship so they can do life together, so they can you know, help each other out. Of course, we see very not long after that, you know, everything goes, you know, the man starts to, oh, it's the woman you made, that's why I'm in the predicament I'm in. Um, but actually, that was not the case. <laughs> it's important we realize companionship is God's idea. Okay, God created companionship. And the other thing I pick out from that is God created us for communion with him. Because why did he have to create man in his image? And I think that's important. God created us in his image. God's a spirit. We have a spirit. Okay. So that we can commune together. And we see that when God comes down, when Adam and Eve are seen, and they're hiding, and God says, where are you? It's almost like we normally meet here. You're not here. Where are you hiding? Of course, God knew where they were. But there's that sense in which there was communion. God created us for communion. Now, when we are talking about God's will for our lives, we need to understand these things. Okay? We need to understand these things. And so I'm going to move on to the next point, which is about God's universal will. So now we understand kind of who we are, why God created us. We need to look at God's universal will. Now, there are many scriptures that refer to the will of God. Many scriptures. You know, for example, in the Lord's Prayer, we know it says, your will be done in the Lord's Prayer. We know Jesus said, I came to do my Father's will. That's what I came to do, my Father's will. God's will is that everyone should be saved. But there are four specific scriptures that identify God's universal will. Okay? They talk specifically about God's will. And uh, some uh, Clever Clogs has managed to kind of create an acronym for them called BAGS. Um, BAGS. So uh, it's easy to remember. B is for believe in Jesus Christ. In the book of John chapter, four, uh, chapter 6 verse 40, the Bible says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. God's universal will is for you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. God's will is to believe. Let me just digress for a minute. The, the reason we're looking at God's universal will is sometimes, sometimes, we don't necessarily hear clearly what is the unique will that God has for us? Okay. If you think about someone like Abraham, when we read the story of Abraham, um, it's not until much later in his life that God says, I want you to leave where you are, I want you to go there, because I have a specific purpose for your life. 
But up until then, Abraham was living in God's universal will. We know that because the Bible talks about Abraham, the fact that he believed God was counted to him as righteousness. Okay. So before God actually gave him his unique assignment to be the father of this great nation, he was living in God's universal will. And it's important for us to understand God's universal will so that we are living in God's universal will, so that we don't, I guess, uh, become too concerned that, oh, I've not heard what God wants me to do with my own life. Okay? There is God's universal will, and as long as you are existing in God's universal will, you are in God's will. I think it's important to know that. So the first is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second A is abstain from sexual sin. First Thessalonians 4, 3. It says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That is the will of God described in the Bible. Abstain from sexual immorality. And this in today's world, it's harder and harder. But that is God's universal will for every single one of his children. Abstain from sexual immorality. The third one, G, is forgive thanks in everything. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ abstain from sexual immorality give thanks in everything this isn't easy in the most difficult of difficult circumstances you face the Lord is saying give thanks that's tough because there's some really difficult situations. What am I giving thanks for? Of course we're not giving thanks for the circumstance. But we're giving thanks to God. Because the command is that we give thanks in everything. And the fourth one, S, is for submit to authorities and do good. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 15, we read this. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of, the, of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Submit. Submit yourselves to every ordinance. And to do good. This is the will of God. These are the four scriptures in the Bible that specifically talk about this is the will of God. And that's why they're described as the universal will of God. Because this apply to every single one of us. And it, it is in living in the universal will of God that we start to understand and hear from God about the specific, unique will 
that he has for us. The universal will of God. They're really principles to live by. They, they are, they are the, the starting point, if you will. The starting point. And if you are living in God's universal will, you can really rest assured that you are in God's will. That really is important. I keep repeating it. It is really important because so many times we worry and fret about whether we are doing God's will, whether we are in God's will. But once you understand God's universal will and you are the intent... Now, there are times we fail if we think of David. David was a man after God's own heart. And we know that God saw David's heart before he called him. But we know... David struggled, definitely struggled with number two. Yeah. We know the story of uh, um, David uh, um, taking the wife of one of his soldiers. We know that story. So we know David struggled with that. But David was a man that was very quick to repent when something was revealed to him. Uh, not just quick to repent, but wholeheartedly repent. Okay. So the point is not that we fail this sometimes. The point is we have the intent, the desire and we're actually actively seeking to leave God's universal will. There will be times we fall short. But we get up again. We ask God for forgiveness and we move on. That's important. And in doing that, it's easier for us to understand and to hear God's unique will for our lives. And this is really what we mean about when we talk about God's will. Because we're really looking for personal direction. You know, we're like, God... What shall I do? You know, uh, where shall I go? Where shall I go to university? What job? Should, what career shall I pursue? Uh, shall I marry this person? Uh, where shall I live my life? You know, all those kinds of things. The decisions that we are seeking guidance on. And sometimes we pray about these things. And and in my life, certainly, many times you pray about something, and I couldn't tell you that I've heard something specific. But because I have confidence in God's universal will, the fact that I'm in God's will, and the fact that I'm created in God's image, the fact that he's given me the ability to make decisions. I make decisions, even when something's not very clear in my mind. Because there is a sense in which, well, you can sense. I once heard a, a man say that um, um, He'd been to a meeting, this is many years ago, he'd been to a meeting and uh, he'd, he'd given his life to Christ and, and, and he started going to church. But the church he was going to was quite far away and there was no church in his local area. So um, I decided, well, there are quite a few of us going quite far to a church. Well, why don't we just start something here? Now, it stuck in my mind because he said, he said, I never really got, I never heard God say start a church. I didn't hear God say start a church. I just thought, well, we're all going too far. Why don't we start something here? And he said that was 25 years ago. And God hasn't told me to stop. And that stuck with me. Because essentially it was saying, I saw a need. I thought we should do something about it. I didn't necessarily hear a thou shalt start a church. But I kind of thought, so we started, and it carried on, and it carried on, and it carried on. So, that was it. Because sometimes we can become paralyzed in decision making, because 
we are waiting for the thou shall do something. When sometimes that's not how God operates. You could be waiting for ever, even, if you take that approach. There are some things, of course, that can help in terms of seeking God's unique will for our lives. You know, of course you pray about it. In Psalm 37, verse 5 to 7, it talks about committing your way to him and that he will direct your path. So we commit our way to him and he directs a path. And if you pray, listen. <laughs> you have to listen out. Uh, I remember years ago once I was, um, I was thinking to myself, oh, gosh, I need a second job. I need a Saturday job because I just need more money. <laughs> so I need to get a second job. Um, and um, I was praying about it. And one day I was in a lift at work, and I was talking to a colleague of mine, like, I, need to get, I need to get a Saturday job. And, uh, and someone totally unrelated, unconnected, in the lift said to me, uh, you don't need a Saturday job. You just need a Monday to Friday job that pays you what you want. It was unconnected to me. Whether it was a Christian or not, I didn't know. But I suddenly heard God speaking to me. You don't need a Saturday job. You need to get something that you need. And do you know what? I took that and I never, in my entire career, never ever said that again, that I need a second job. Like, right, that's it. So the point I'm making is when you pray, you have to be listening out. You know? God doesn't just speak through the pastor or the person here. God speaks. Your ears have to be tuned in to listening to God because he does speak. Of course, we also need to know that it's in line with what the Bible says. It's not contrary to what the Bible says. And for this, I love the story of Balaam. Some of you, well, you would know the story of Balaam if you read the Bible very well. Balaam was a gifted prophet. Okay? It, whatever he said came to pass. So, the children of Israel are on their way. The king of Moab is afraid of this lot. And he decides to ask Balaam to come and to curse his people for it. Now, God said to Balaam, don't do it. And he said, no, I'm not doing it. So the king sent other people. Promised, oh, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. He said, no, nah, the Lord said not to do it. The king sent people again. And then he decided, oh, do you know what? Okay, I'll go. So he allowed the king of Moab to pressure him into doing something contrary to what God had told him. Okay? We need to be mindful of that. Of course, as he's going, we know the story. The donkey is riding and sees the angel of the Lord and will move no further. Uh, Balaam's really angry, starts beating the donkey, and the donkey speaks. And in his rage, he didn't even realize he was talking to a donkey. <laughs> he was so mad at this donkey that was not moving, they didn't realize the donkey was talking back to him. And he just carried on. Um, but essentially... God told Balaam, actually, the donkey saved your life. Because if the donkey had moved any further, you'd have been dead. The thing is, Balaam actually did, later on, suffer the consequence of his disobedience to God. Okay? So it's important that whatever we are deciding, we understand it's not contrary to the Word of God. And that's why it's important that we actually read the Bible, so we can understand what the Bible says. We need to trust our inner conviction. 
when the Lord speaks, it's not always, well, it's generally not loud. Okay. There's a quietness about the Word of God. Now, as I said, the example I give of the guy that said, well, you don't need a second, you know, it's just something I said, ah, that's it. That's it. And that's the whole point about listening. <laughs> when we pray, we have to listen. That's why sometimes it's good when you pray. Don't just go into the presence of the Lord. Good morning, Lord. Um, great to be here. Thank you. Um, I need this, 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 and this. Um, thank you. See you later. Bye. And off we go. That's not prayer. That's just, here's my list. Talk to you later. Now imagine that. My, my parents used to say to me, because I, I went to boarding school, they used to say, they had this thing that if the first letter I wrote back was to ask for things, I wouldn't get it. I never realized, actually, throughout my six years of secondary school and boarding school, that that was the rule. I never got anything. Because the only letters I wrote back were to ask for things. And unfortunately, it wasn't until I finished school that they told me the rule, which I think is unfair, but, you know, it, it is what it is. But um, I survived. <laughs> I survived. Um, also, the counsel of others. The counsel of others helps uh, when we are seeking direction. Okay? We're now talking about God's unique will for us. Okay? When we're seeking direction, when we're praying, Again, it's about listening. It's about listening to what others are saying. And also consider your circumstances. As I said in um, the story of Balaam. Now, if Balaam had been considering his circumstances, sometimes some doors are closed because they are closed for your own good. Okay? Now, Balaam, God had told him, don't go. Okay? In the end, he's decided to go. He's got halfway Something's happening. Balaam should have been thinking, do you know what? God said I shouldn't go. I'm going. Now this is happening. Ah, it's just, no, I need to go back. I need to go back. But he didn't. He tried to carry on. It's important that we consider our circumstances as we seek God's unique will for our lives. You know, Noah, when, he was, when God called him to build the ark, the Bible says that Noah was a righteous guy. So Noah was already living in God's universal will when God then said, okay, this is your unique will, Noah. Okay. He was existing in God's universal will. One of the things for me, understanding God's will for my life helps me with is contentment. You know, I'm content. It doesn't mean I don't have troubles. It doesn't mean I don't have challenges. But I'm content. Because I know I'm in God's will. I'm content. And that is a wonderful place to be. Really wonderful place to be. Because, you know, Paul, in his, one of his letters to the Philippines... They sent him some gifts. And he said, do you know what? I thank you for these gifts you've sent me. But the thing is, I've actually learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. Whether I have 
for I don't have. I've learned to be content. So though I'm really pleased about this that you've sent me, I am content. And contentment, for me, helps me to avoid anxiety and worry. The idea that I'm worried about something that may happen in future, and I'm suffering today for something that hasn't happened, that I think may happen, that probably will never happen. That's not a good place to be. And unfortunately, sometimes that's where we're, we're at. We're worrying about things that have never happened, that hasn't happened, we think may happen, because of something someone said or um, something that's happened. And we get ourselves into this state. But knowing, understanding, and being confident in the fact that we are in God's will helps us avoid those traps of the enemy. It really does. It helps with decision making. You know, during Alpha recently, I read something that I shared that um, apparently we make roughly 35,000 decisions every day. I don't know who worked it out, um, but that sounds a heck of a lot of decisions to be making. Now, most of them, probably 80, 90% are some subconscious decisions. You wake up in the morning, oh, shall I get up? Oh, no, five more minutes. That's a decision. It goes again in five minutes, oh, God, no, another five. Okay. Or if I get up like me, I think, oh, have I heard my daughter get up? Shall I go and knock on her door? Oh, no, leave it for a minute. Shall I go? Yeah, you should go, you should go. Right, you go. Are you getting up? Yeah, I'm getting up. Yeah. Oh, she's in the bathroom for so long. Shall I go and get her out? Or shall I just let her be late to school and suffer the consequences? Yeah, I'll let her suffer the consequences. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, no, no, I should really go and get her out. <laughs> Those are decisions we're making through the day, right? Throughout the day. So those are kind of general day-to-day. Shall I get a bus or train? No, no, I'll work today. It's good for me. Uh, no, maybe, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Like yesterday, I got ready. I run on Saturdays. Got ready, got ready to run. My phone wouldn't work. I normally track my run. I thought, uh, maybe next time. I'll sort this out and then I'll run. And my wife was saying, oh... You should run because, you know, just because you can't track your run doesn't mean you shouldn't run. Yeah, but it's, it's a bit too late now. I, I'll, I'll do it next week. Yeah. Those are kind of general decisions, but then there are other decisions. Is this the right person for me to be married to? To do life with? To attach myself to for the rest of my life? Those have far greater consequences. Are these the friends that I should associate myself with? Those have far greater consequences um, in our lives. My hope is really that I fire up your desire to follow God's universal will. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Abstain from sexual immorality. Give thanks in everything and submit to authority and do good. So that in doing that, you will find God's unique will for your own lives.
and that you find help in the decision making. We are a product of the decisions we make. That you find help in that. And also that you find contentment. That you are in God's will. So that whatever the outcome, whatever the circumstances of life, you have peace. Peace in this life. That's what God promises. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.